0: Pablo, I have been privileged in my ESPN career to draw some good assignments, right? Uh, meeting Clay Thompson for a boat ride across the San Francisco Bay, it's pretty good. It's up there. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was jealous. I was jealous of this one. <laughs> Ramona Shelburne covers the NBA and recently toured San Francisco Bay on a vessel captained by one of the greatest shooters of all time.
0: I wouldn't call it a yacht. It's a fishing boat, okay? It's it's a nice fishing boat. Uh, 37 feet. And and he, he docks it at the Corinthian Yacht Club up in Tiburon. And we happen to draw a perfect morning.
2: Wow. Best day ever. Just see how nice it was out there. Pristine conditions. I'm telling Mike, we call that a glass off. So nice. 20
0: minutes. And Clay shows up. This
2: never gets old. Life at the docks never gets old. You can get off, rocks. I'm going to shut her down.
0: He's got this, like, beautiful North Bay. I'm going to just take my boat to work because <laughs> there's traffic on the bridge, and I don't feel like sitting in it. The first thing you notice is that he has no deck crew. Clay Thompson has plenty of money to hire a deck crew, but that's not the point of the boat, Pablo. Clay Thompson wants to do all the work himself. Yeah, I'm imagining like I'm imagining him in a literal captain's hat now. Oh, he has about four of them, <laughs> <He has> four, <laughs> four Captain Clay hats. Okay. Yeah. About halfway there, all of a sudden we hit some chop. A ferry boat that had passed by created a bunch of oh, a big wake. At first, Clay just takes that wake head on. <laughs> okay, it's going pretty fast. We hit the wake, and he go up over, and he goes, "Oh, hey, sorry." I'll slow down, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm I am a rookie here, I'm, you know I'm not an experienced sailor. And he goes, no, the, you know the sailors say slow is pro, like when you hit the chop, when you hit the choppy water, you gotta go slow. Mm. And I, you know, as a writer, you kind of go, is that a little too on the nose? Yeah, yeah, a little too on
1: the nose. Yeah, I mean the name of the boat, in case this metaphor wasn't obvious enough yet, is also the Splash Express.
0: But that is actually what Clay has done the last three years. In 2019, at the peak of his own abilities and really the peak of the Warriors' abilities during the dynasty years, he lands awkwardly after a slam dunk. Thompson grabs his left knee. Now writhing in pain. Tears his knee up. And we don't see him for two and a half seasons. And some of why Clay Thompson takes the boat to practice as often as he can. This isn't just a way to avoid traffic on the bridge. This is the place where Clay Thompson thinks. This is how he moves through a situation over the past couple of years that there was no fast way to move through.
2: Man, I love the Splash Express so much changed my life changed my life in what way Uh, it just brought me so many new experiences knowledge about the ocean um those two things knowledge and experiences man those are
0: priceless he went from being the prime of his career to losing two seasons with devastating injuries there's no way you just take that out of your mind and say don't think about it I think the question I wanted to answer is the question he wants to answer and is always going to be trying to answer, which is how has this changed him and can he ever get back to being the same player he was before these injuries?
1: The defending champion Golden State Warriors are Adrift right now, and Steph Curry has been playing maybe the best season of his entire career. But the team is mostly floating around the bottom half of the Western Conference, and lots of people are genuinely wondering if Clay Thompson, at age 32, is suddenly more of an albatross than a ballast. So today, we tell the story of a four time champion who turns out to be a lot deeper than you ever realized. And we chart a course for what's coming next. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, November 16th. This is ESPN Daily. So Ramona, to truly understand Clay Thompson and his story, I think the thing we need to establish at the beginning here is his personality, his vibes, the general sense of how he carries himself, which is central, I think, to everything here. So how would you describe what it's like to be around him?
0: He has this quality to him, if you're around him enough, where he's always saying things like, what a great day it is today. Man, this this is so awesome to be out here on the water. (laughs) What a great morning. This boat is the best thing I ever did for myself. Sailing this boat, changed my life. Like he says that every other day, six times a day. And I think he means it. Yeah. There's,
1: there's an earnestness. There's always been this earnestness and earnest enthusiasm that is, that is so endearing.
0: Yeah. Steve Kerr has this line. He always says, I want to be Clay Thompson when I grow up. He's not low maintenance. He's zero maintenance. Mm. And, and that's who Clay was on those dynastic Golden State Warriors teams. There was the the Kevin Durant drama. Then there was Steph Curry, who is the face of the franchise. There's Draymond, who's the fiery guy with a chip on his shoulder. And then there's Clay. We don't worry about Clay. Just let him go shoot. Go be Splash Brother. Comes in, does his job. Great, great defender. Like there was this sort of happy go lucky glue guy quality to him that he doesn't, you don't, you never have to worry about Clay. Right. He was
1: almost this golden retriever of a person, this all star who was almost unfailingly consistent on both ends, which is why I now find these layers, this nuance creeping out from underneath that caricature. So interesting, Ramona. And it all feels like it started with the NBA Finals back in 2019 when Clay and the Warriors were looking for their fourth title in five years against the Toronto Raptors.
0: And what did you see? I was sitting about 20 feet from the play. I had a nice courtside seat covering the game for ESPN Radio. It's Game Six of the NBA Finals. The Warriors' dynasty is really in the on the brink because Kevin Durant has torn his Achilles. He can't play. He is literally one foot out the door to Brooklyn. Yep. And Clay Thompson is single handedly keeping the Warriors alive in this game. Swings it, Thompson
3: for
1: three. It's good. Game six, Clay with his fourth triple. He's got 28, Warriors by four. I
0: mean, he is playing one of the best games of his career, offensively, defensively.
3: Stolen by Thompson. That's his second steal. That was some rotation after the double of the post against Siak.
0: He goes up for a dunk over Danny Green. Danny Green's a good defender, challenges out the rim. And. When Clay landed, you could tell it was not a good landing.
2: Thompson running the floor, and a foul. And Thompson grabs
0: his left knee.
2: Caught it near the left wing, and me and Danny met at the pinnacle of the jump.
0: He landed awkwardly.
2: I think me looking back to see if I finished the end one kind of made my momentum go forward, and my knee was in an awkward position, and I felt it shift.
0: His leg kind of bent the wrong way. He immediately grabs his knee.
2: Now writhing in pain. Steph Curry slamming the ball on the court, so
0: upset. Green went up to block it. Everybody realized he was really hurt at the time, but he bounced up. And when he bounces up, you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe he just landed badly. I
2: didn't know it was that serious. My adrenaline was very high, so I didn't really feel the pain that much.
0: He walked to the locker room on his own accord. Right, right. You know, he he came back out and shot a couple free throws because he was trying to run on the court afterwards.
1: He didn't just shoot a couple free throws. He sank both free throws.
0: Yeah, he made them both. You came out and shot free throws after that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. like, you had a torn ACL. Did yeah. they do the tests on you? Did you know? Did they do the tests where like, they could tell right then and there that you? They
2: did afterward. I was walking down the tunnel, and Luke Lauks, one of our assistants at the time, yelled at me, like, You have to shoot these free throws if you want to stay in the game. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm going to shoot these free throws. 30 sounds way better than 28, especially in a championship game. So <laughs> I was going to leave those on the board. And he hits the free throw. You can see him dragging that right leg a little bit. Or the knee, excuse me. for Clay Thompson looked like he could act- actually survive on the floor right now. He's staying in the game.
0: Then they do some tests on him behind closed doors in the locker room, and the tests were pretty conclusive. Even in the arena, they were conclusive. He goes to get an MRI just to confirm he had torn his ACL. And not only was he not coming back in the game, he was going to be out for the whole next season.
1: He ends up having to leave that game, this game where he just scored 30 points, by the way, in 32 minutes, and the Warriors lose it. They lose the game. They lose the series that same night. And losing in the finals, obviously, is never fun. But I remember the fallout feeling dire.
0: So covering that 2019 finals was not enjoyable, It's kind of hard to watch for all of us who had seen the Warriors dynasty. This was one of the best teams that we've seen in NBA history over a prolonged five-year period. And at the end of it, it was as if they all just died on the court. Mm. Like it it was, Kevin Durant goes down with the Achilles. Klay Thompson has the ACL. Steph had battled some injuries in that series. They just didn't have anything left. Yeah, it was a bummer. It was a bummer to watch. It was a real bummer. And you had the feeling that the bottom was going to fall out because Kevin Durant was leaving. That was an open secret all throughout that season. Mm-hmm. Clay was going to miss the entire next year. Steph Curry comes back, and very early in the next season, he has a hand injury that's going to keep him out for a number of months. Draymond plays a little, he gets hurt. And I remember going up to Chase Center early on in that 1920 season and looking around that locker room thinking, okay, well, Steph's still here and Draymond's here. and But who the hell are all these other guys? Like, there were so many new names and faces. And that's when I think it hit me that the Warriors were not just down Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson that year. They were completely rebuilding. They were going to not just fall off the top of the mountain, they were going to fall all the way down to the bottom of the valley. They end up with the worst record in the NBA the next season, without Clay, without Steph for most of the year, without much of Draymond, and they end up in the lottery. And then the world stops. COVID hits. March 2020. Nobody even knows when the NBA is going to start again. And it's at this point, Pablo, that the rehab starts getting really tedious for Clay because there's no games to go to. There's nowhere for him to go out into the world. Everyone was in quarantine. And for a guy like Clay Thompson, not being able to play basketball is about the worst thing you can think of for him. And now there's nowhere to go. He's just stuck home in quarantine. So where do you go when you can't be around people? You get a boat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like how Clay's boat was basically his version of everybody buying a Peloton. <laughs> he was like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. While he misses the entirety of the 2019-2020 season, yep. he's recovering from this torn ACL. He's outdoors. He's, he's trying to get better on all of these levels. And I remember, Ramona, now we get to the fall of 2020, right? Yeah. I remember him being on pace to return for the start of that following season, for for the start of that season now. And then something else goes awry. Explain what happened there.
0: So Clay's coming back from the torn ACL. And by all accounts, he was in incredible shape. You know how pitchers, when they have a Tommy John surgery, they oftentimes come back stronger. Mm -hmm. because of the rehab that you've had to do. That was the reports we were getting on Clay coming back from that ACL injury. He had had the entire year to get get better from it. He had over a year, really, because the injury happens in the finals in June. And then now we're getting towards the fall. The following NBA season didn't start until November of that year because of the COVID delays.
1: Right, got pushed back.
0: Right? And he was feeling better than he ever was. He goes to a gym in downtown Los Angeles for a just a regular pickup game. Just, there's a lot of NBA players that were there at this gym. It was in Little Tokyo in downtown. It's the morning of the NBA draft, and the Warriors have the number two overall pick. Mm. Things are looking up for the Warriors. Klay Thompson's coming back. Steph Curry's healthy. Draymond's healthy. They've got the number two pick. Yeah, it was all
1: converging on the same exact day. That's right.
0: So the morning of the NBA draft, he goes and goes to a pickup game, just like he'd been doing for months.
2: I started playing pickup probably way too soon, and I was feeling really good. I was feeling very confident.
0: He makes a move that he's done hundreds, maybe thousands of times in his NBA career. There was nothing remarkable about this move.
2: Got the ball on the right wing, and I just ripped baseline, took a two-drill pull-up. I had knocked down the shot, but when I turned to run, I just felt a big pop in the back of my my heel. It sounded like someone. It felt like someone kicked me. It felt like someone kicked me. It sounded like something popped in my head, and that's when I knew I was like, gosh, it's not going to be good. I've heard this tale too many times about people who pop their Achilles.
0: And the entire time he had been rehabbing his torn ACL. The doctors would say to him, hey, man, you're going to be just fine. This is an ACL. Just be glad you don't have a torn Achilles like your teammate Kevin Durant. Mm. That's the really hard Mm. one to recover from. So all summer, he's been recovering from this torn ACL with doctors saying, consider yourself lucky that it's not a torn Achilles. And then it's a torn Achilles.
1: And this obviously disrupts everything, right? All of those plans, the return, all of that now is just out the window. And and what was that first month like now when he's dealing with rehabbing that part of his body?
0: So the recovery from a torn Achilles is awful because you can't do anything at first.
2: Just in a big cast and, gosh, things luggy. It's just hard to do anything. It's hard to get up and brush your teeth or make breakfast and just the most simple things. You can't drive a car, so you're just feeling immobilized and get a little stir crazy.
0: You can't even have surgery for a month. You have to just sit there and wait for the swelling to go down. And you're not supposed to move. You're not supposed to walk. You're just supposed to sit there. Now, if you're somebody who likes to Watch Netflix and binge watch some shows, I guess that would be okay. But if you're somebody like Clay Thompson, where movement is everything, that is torture to just sit there and not be able to do anything about it. And I think that from everyone around Clay that I spoke to for the story, that was the hardest part of knowing how hard those first couple of months were going to be for him, where he couldn't. He just literally couldn't do anything to start getting better except sit there and wait.
1: What was he thinking to himself as all of this was sort of settling in and weighing on him? What was the lowest moment like for
0: him? The hardest part is knowing how far you have to go back and wondering if you're ever going to be the same.
2: I was angry a lot of times just watching, knowing how good you are and what you're capable of. Especially when you used to be the guy who would play 77, 78, 80 games every season. And then it's like your body just kind of gives out on you for a little bit and you're questioning everything.
0: When you have an Achilles injury and a knee injury in back-to-back years, it's not about effort. You can do all the rehab you want. It just takes time for your body to heal from that. And even if you do everything right, it still may not heal all the way. You may still not be the same guy. And that—that that is the hardest part to accept. And it still is because it's—it's there's no answer for it. There's just trying to move through it and there's just trying to deal with it. And I think for Clay, the first few months of that, after that Achilles injury, it's yeah, you know, there's a lot of feeling sorry for yourself. There's a lot of questioning why this happened to you.
2: I felt it for the team. I felt bad not being out there with Steph Draymond and Jordan and Wiggs, but I felt bad for myself. I'm not gonna lie to you Ramona, I was sad for a while just cause it was just like so unexpected. Probably the darkest time of my professional career just cause I just knew I had a long road ahead of me. After what I just went through, it was hard to accept that. Our sport is our joy. It's our source. So when you're without it, you feel kind of lost at times.
1: After the break, Clay Thompson sets out to find himself
2: at sea.
1: And so, in the wake of this second season ending injury, the thing that is going to put him on the shelf again and derail all of his comeback aspirations for another season, where does Clay Thompson turn?
0: Clay starts to go out sailing. And it took a couple of months for him to be able to be cleared to go back out on the boat. He's in a cast, and you still have to be careful not to mess up the Achilles after you have a surgery like that, which means all you have to do is think have time to think and process it and move through it and he bought this boat the year before and had learned to sail it himself and I mean I hear stories of him going off to Catalina to go spear fishing I hear stories of him going up and down the California coast he went to Mexico a couple of times (laughs) (laughs) and I actually said something like you know why don't you hire someone to do the dock lines and the all the boat stuff, like clean the galley, and the, you know, he's like, "No, what's the point?" It's kind of like being in the Boy Scouts. <laughs> this is this is the point of sailing the boat yourself is to do all the work, and there's a very Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance quality to it. Of you lose yourself in the work, you lose yourself in the moment, you stay present, and and I think that's really what the boat is for Clay. There was a lot of this time, Pablo. I think Clay was pretty depressed about how far he had fallen and how far he still had to go back to reclaim his spot on the Warriors and as a player in this league. Of course. But he has this line, and I don't know where the line came from, but he said it a lot. He said, you can't have a bad day when you're out on the boat. You can't have a bad day out here. And I think he means it because there's there was a lot of bad days in there. There were bad weeks in that, recovery from the Achilles, so a long ways to go. And he definitely could not rush this one. And so there's, the boat just becomes this place for his mental health, more than anything, it was of a place to think about it all.
1: And Clay Thompson, it turns out, does so much more thinking, Ramona, than that golden retriever persona would have ever suggested.
0: Bruce Fraser, who's his coach for the Warriors, has known him the whole time that he's been there. If you are around the Warriors you know him as the guy who warms Steph Curry up and does all the fun drills with him he's yes, got Silver the Silver hair. Fox. Yes. yes. Yeah. Bruce said to me he goes, "You know what my favorite uh, book is?" I I got what? He goes, "It's the book Clay Thompson's going to write when he's 60." <laughs> and I, I totally get it and and I ran that by Steph Curry and he goes, "Absolutely and I will be first in line to read it." Wait, because, explain explain what they are waiting to hear. What's inside Clay Thompson? I mean, there's there's so much inside Clay Thompson. There is the guy who plays, like, tournament-level chess, telling me how he's going spearfishing, where he can dive down for a minute, but he's trying to get to two minutes. There's all of that. And also, one of the greatest shooters alive, there is a guy who, when you look at the nightstand and what he's reading, there's a copy of The New Yorker, and then there's a copy of a book called Anti-Fragile written by Nassim Taleb who wrote The Black Swan.
1: Yeah, no, the mathematician and philosopher, the essayist, yeah.
0: One of the quotes from this book, fragility implies that you've got more to lose than to gain. Anti-fragility implies that you've got more to gain than to lose. This is the book Clay Thompson is reading out (laughs) on the boat. (laughs) What? What? There is no word for the exact opposite of fragile, Pablo. This is what Taleb writes. Let us call it anti-fragile. Anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. I mean, <coughs> <laughs> this is, I, I I looked at this book. This is not a prop. This book was read and and thumb through it had been read many times. You could tell this was not something unless he bought it at a used bookstore. <laughs> Clay Thompson has read this book many times, and this is not what anybody who knows. If you think you know Clay Thompson, you you're gonna find there. Right. I found a, a chess set, and then there's a book next to it, and I go, "Is that your diary?" And he goes, "No, it's my sea log." <laughs> <I'm like>, what? <laughs> I mean, and there's a copy of The New Yorker. And do you know he sits at his locker before every game and reads a copy of the local Bay Area newspapers? Oh, God. God bless
1: Clay Thompson for keeping print alive.
0: I mean, when Bruce Fraser says, I want to read the book that Clay writes when he's 60, it's a recognition that there's so much in Clay Thompson that I don't even think he can articulate now, but one day maybe he can. Then the last three years, He's had the one thing he cares the most about in this world that he's been so focused on his entire life taken away from him. And nothing but time to think about it and what that means. He kind
1: of found himself both a part of the team and not at the same time.
2: Kind of like he was a ghost. I would support my teammates on the bench. It was so hard to watch, man. Gosh. I didn't watch a lot of basketball because it, it would hurt my heart to watch and knowing I couldn't participate And so after these
1: two full seasons and the beginning of a third season, either away from the team or watching games from the bench, kind of haunting himself and his team as this outside observer, Clay Thompson on January 9th, 2022, midway through the season after a total of 941 days away from the court, he's back and he's at home against the Cavaliers and how would you describe that scene and that moment?
0: I don't think I've ever seen a team as excited for one of their teammates as the Warriors were for Clay on that day. Not even just a team, the league, the entire NBA was excited for Clay Thompson's return because they knew what he had been through, they knew how hard it was. I mean, to the point, Pablo, they called it Clay Day. It was Clay Day in the <laughs> Bay. Right. Clay Day in the NBA. It was the entire league was happy for him, and he didn't just come back out there and play. He dunked the ball. Thompson
3: just the two points. dribbling. Oh,
0: exploding to the rim. Clay Thompson powers one down. He dunked on somebody his first game, and Clay told me, he "Goes." Whenever I feel down, whenever I feel like I suck and I don't have it going, I go back and I watch that game and I watch that dunk. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's his, that's his, like, my glory days moment. That's his happy place. Yeah, Yeah, that's the one. I still got it. I dunked on somebody. I think he's healthy. Yo, dunked on the whole city of
3: Cleveland just now.
2: (laughs) Quite possibly the best day of my life hear the crowd again, to get the ovation and the starting lineup, to dunk on somebody my first game back, I just didn't think it went, it could have gone any better.
3: To Shovel the Clay, it's a three ball on the right side, and it's money, it's cold, hard cash for Clay Thompson.
2: When you bring, yeah, 20,000 people to their feet, it's the best feeling in the world. It's really an out of body experience. Like, it happens so quick, but you feel like you're just flying.
3: Boy, jumping up, celebrates, goes to the far corner, pounds his chest, says, Yeah, I'm back.
2: It made every single day prior to that, the dog days, worth it.
1: And then from there, right, like I know it ends in a championship. But what was his assessment looking back on just how it all unfolded for him, having gone through everything he did?
0: I think he was just really grateful that he made it back and that the Warriors made it back, and he was a contributor.
2: You know, in June 2019, I was playing so incredibly well. Just to get those feelings back took a long time. It took a full 30 regular season games where I finally felt Come that first round against Denver, that I was being myself. I was wasn't thinking about the shots I was taking; they were just coming naturally.
0: I mean, he didn't he didn't shoot the ball particularly well in the finals, but he he played really well. I mean, he contributed to that championship-winning team. And from where he came from over those last couple of years, being out to injury to even make it back was a miracle.
2: When I watch film of the playoffs, like there's some things I can get better at, but I give myself a pat on the back because. I thought I played a vital role on a championship team, and uh, I couldn't see that during their Achilles rehab. I, I just—there would be some slow days, so it would be hard just to do a calf raise for a few months. So um, to get back to where I'm at, I'm very proud of myself.
0: Like Clay, in one sense, is very realistic about who he is as a player now. It's very realistic. He says it out loud. He goes— I may not be the same player I was. I, I'm If I'm 90%. But he, he always comes back to this place of, but I'm still a hell of a player on a hell of a team. And he's one of those guys in the NBA, like, yes, he makes a lot of money. He signed a max contract, but I it's yep. really not about that. Like, he, he really wants to be on the Warriors. He really wants to be on a team that wins. That is what he's about. The Warriors winning last year after... How far they had fallen after everything Clay had come back from it is a miraculous story. I mean, like his brother used that word with me. It's a miracle he came back. He had great surgeons. He had great work ethic. He had great rehab. But it is kind of a miracle to make it back from a torn ACL and a torn Achilles in consecutive years.
1: Whether yet another Warriors miracle is right over the horizon.
3: Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game winning shot live and in person. And the best part?
1: So Ramona as thrilled as Clay was to come all the way back and win a title last season. That was last season, right? And this year things have been rough for both Clay Thompson individually and definitely for the Warriors who just sent their number 2 overall pick from 2020, James Wiseman, down to the G League. And so when you start to unpack all of this, how Clay's been reacting to this rough start, where do you begin?
0: Um if you haven't noticed, Clay has been pretty edgy this year, mm-hmm. right? Got into it, Charles Barkley.
2: You know, it hurts when uh, someone like Charles Barkley with the platform he has says you're not the same player prior to the injuries you have. It's like, no duh, man. Consecutive years, I, I, I tore my ACL my Achilles in consecutive years and still help a team win a
0: championship. Got into it with Devin Booker on the court. Moments ago, Klay Thompson has
2: been ejected from this ballgame. We talked about him and Devin Booker getting into it.
0: The- Pablo, what did he yell at Devin Booker when they got into it and they had a little trash talk at the beginning of the game? <laughs> he kept yelling, four rings. Four rings. Four yeah, rings. Yeah, like, yeah. he can't say anything like, I'm a better shooter than you right now. He can't quote his stats. We can have that debate if you want. They're both great shooters. Devin's a better player right now because Devin's healthy. He hasn't gone through all yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, But Clay has four rings. And that is what you hold on to in those moments. Like, he recognizes the way the injuries have changed him physically. What he cannot stand for, though, is somebody questioning his effort and his passion for trying to get back to what he was. So when you say he's slipping, it implies that he's not trying hard, that he's not... Tr- competitive that he's not trying to be the same player he was
1: right to be to be not insulted by these things would be to not be competitive anymore right
0: and that's what you've seen from clay this year where he's a little little feisty yeah i remember clay trash talking to you not until this year that's that that, that's the turn that's the turn the evolution
1: of him is that yo clay clay is trying to tell people that to write him off is is a debt he plans on collecting?
0: Yeah, and that's why this year for the Warriors has gotten really interesting. I mean, I, I started reporting the story at the beginning of the year. The first interview I did with Clay, I, I went up there a couple of times. So the first one was right in and around when the situation with Draymond happened. To the NBA, specifically the Bay Area, where there was a bit of drama between two players that practiced yesterday for the reigning champions. Sources tell ESPN that Warriors star for Draymond Green threw a punch at fellow teammate Jordan Poole. And I will tell you, there are 29 other teams in this league that would have canceled the interview. Oh, yeah. That would have said, you know what? It's a little hot up here right now. This year has not gone well so far. This year has been... Kinda of rough. Steve yep. Kerr calls it the, the biggest challenge that he's faced since he's been the coach. They haven't won a road game yet. <laughs>
1: They're 0-7 <laughs> on the road. No, they are they are at the bottom of the Western Conference, right above the running joke that is the Lakers.
0: And the Warriors are fighting for it. And there's this recognition also amongst everyone that people are people will talk about, but they don't want to talk about it, which is this group is probably closer to the end of their run together than the beginning. They've been together for a decade Everybody's getting older Andre Godala said this is definitely my last year But Draymond's contract gets complicated Clay's contract gets complicated After this year Mm. Jordan Poole just signed a big extension Andrew Wiggins just signed a big extension There are some very tough decisions That the Warriors' ownership will have to Confront as we get Towards the end of this year Heading into next year Which is How much will you pay to keep this group together? contractually, they can stay together next year, but it will cost half a billion dollars in salary and luxury taxes. an
1: unprecedented, an unprecedented price even for a billionaire like Joe Lacob, a price we've never seen paid in the NBA for a single team.
0: And here's the tension point. The Warriors have historically spent more than anyone. They've had the highest payroll in the league, but they only spend if they're championship contenders. They will pay more than anybody else to keep a championship contender together. This team so far is not looking like a champion.
1: No, despite being the team that just won the championship, despite being the team that I picked to win the championship like a month ago. What do
0: you know, Pablo?
1: <laughs> what the hell do I know?
0: But this is this is staring all of them in the face right now. and And... Clay's a guy who's been there for a long time. Draymond's been there for a long time. Steph will be the last one standing no matter where oh, yeah. no matter where anyone else ends up. And everybody who stays will have to prove that they are worth it. It's there. You feel it when you're around the team. You feel that pressure. You feel that tension. Well, Ramona, they're 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 now, I mean, at least with you they're
1: talking about it. Yeah, I mean, this is not something that they don't want to put out into the universe and speak into existence. It's not one of those things. They seem to have realized that the reality at this point is, is obvious. It is obviously a thing that will hang over them for the remainder of this season.
0: There is a theme that runs through the story of fragility. Fragility of body, of mind, of spirit, but there's also a fragility to a dynasty and a team and a collection of something that came together in a way that was a joy to watch, a joy for the NBA to experience. And you have to work at keeping those things together, right? Clay, Clay's body, he has to work at keeping it together, his mind, his soul, all of that can change in an instant. And I think you would say the same thing for that Warriors dynasty. They've already rebuilt it once. A miraculous feat to rebuild it in two years as quickly as they did. But they have to work at it now. And this is the next challenge of, can they keep this going for another year or two or three? How much longer can they keep this, quite frankly, beautiful team that they had built and this beautiful culture that they had built over the past decade? How do they keep it together? And I think that's where Clay and the Warriors are right now. You hold on to it, you try to enjoy it, and you fight for it.
1: And so when you talk to Steph, Steph Curry, about the end or what seems like it might be, what what does he say? How does he describe it to you?
0: You know, what's amazing about Steph is that he's able to Understand exactly where the Warriors are in their life cycle of, of this team and seem unbothered by it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so Steph essentially said to me, yeah, there's nothing graceful about things ending. We understand that. But you can't worry about that when we step on the court because it takes away from it. We wouldn't have won last year had we let that be in our thoughts. And I think, Pablo, that might be the very definition of compartmentalization. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, acknowledging
1: that, hey, we know this is happening. Yeah. We just can't surrender to it.
0: Yeah. That's right there. Big blinking lights. You can either look at them or shoot the free throw anyway.
1: And as for the guy whose job is to keep all of these egos together... I mean, Steve Kerr seems like the ideal person to try to do that, given his own backstory, given that he's a guy who has been punched by Michael Jordan, has played on these last dance teams. What is his diagnosis of where in the timeline this whole experiment really is now?
0: So Steve Kerr has been on our side of the ball, Pablo. He's been in the media. And when I started asking him questions about the last dance, I said, you know, you played on that last dance team, Steve. How was that? How does this compare? And he goes... I appreciate your question, Ramona, but I'm not going to answer it like that <laughs> because he's smart enough to know if I go with her on this last dance thing, that's all anyone's going to see. The one thing he would acknowledge, though, is they've been together for a decade and that doesn't really happen in sports.
2: It can only last so long. So, yeah. you know, we, we know this isn't going forever. Yeah. And this, you know, this could be. This could be the last year, maybe next year is the yeah, last year, but this, we're, this year, know, next year. we're in the final stages.
0: We know yeah. so we want to make the most of it. But we want to make the most of it. I mean, that is about as far as he will go at this point. I think there's a recognition amongst everyone that at some point this comes to an end. And there's a, a sadness to it, but there's also a recognition that you know, they've had it really good for a long time. And for however much longer this lasts, you got to try to enjoy it. And so with
1: everything swirling around this franchise, as an early bit of panic sets in, certainly among the fan base, how would you describe the headspace that Clay Thompson finds himself in right now?
0: I think what I realized in writing this cover story is he's always been much deeper than anyone gave him credit for. He just hadn't experienced these kinds of losses and, and challenges before. And there's no way that can't change you. And I think the biggest change that I saw in Clay is gratitude.
2: I appreciate even the bad days where you feel like you're getting beat back door, or you're you can't stay in front of your guy, your shot's short. Uh, I really appreciate those days because that's a day of paradise compared to what you have to go through when rehabbing an Achilles or an ACL. When you told me I was gonna be 33 this year, it just made me feel <laughs> I see the light at the end of the tunnel. We can't do this forever, so I'm gonna enjoy every day while I'm in this, in this association.
0: When you love something as much as Clay Thompson loves basketball, and then it's taken away from you, there's a gratitude that you get that I don't think anyone can put into words, except for maybe Clay Thompson when he's 60 and writes his book.
1: <laughs> Ramona Shelburne, thank you for uh, steering us into uh, calm waters on ESPN Daily.
0: You got it, Pablo.
1: I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.